This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm really excited to have you join and listen to today's episode. This is one of our interview episodes, and I'd like to introduce you to my very special guest right now. I'm joined today by, get ready folks, it's a long list. Founder and CEO of Something New, an American Business Award-winning talent acquisition and recruiting firm. He's the founder of The Outlier Project, which we'll tell you a little bit about at the end. A mentor, an author, a host, you name it, he's doing it. But before all that, Scott was a quota-carrying salesperson, then a sales manager, then a chief revenue officer. So I'd like to welcome Scott McGregor and his very unique perspectives on leading sellers to the show. Welcome, Scott. Matt, what's up, my friend? We have been uh, we've been buddies for a long time. It probably feels longer for you <laughs> than it does for no, me. And nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing but fun and joy. And watching you and seeing you create this is very, very cool. The books have been phenomenal, and this is just a total natural evolution. I love it. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you with me. So let's dive in, right? So I think that. People listening to the show can learn a lot from your experience. You're doing a bunch of different things today. But like I said at the beginning, at your heart, you're a salesperson and a leader of sellers. So my questions are really about lessons that you've learned about not only leading sellers, but leading people in general. So let's just dive yeah. right in. And my my first question is, like, what's the most important lesson you've learned so far about leading people? It's a great question. I would say that clear is kind. And by being clear and providing constant feedback, you wind up with people that have very, very clear, they're very clear on what your expectations are. And over the years, I used to say this, and and now I actually do it. I didn't have control of it before, but I would say reviews are unnecessary. Like if we have to sit down once every six months or once every year for me to tell you something, the hell, why wasn't I telling you that for the previous six months or a year? I don't get it. But we had a corporate mandate. This is back when I was an employee and had to do reviews. I don't do reviews anymore because I'm in constant communication with my team, I'm very, very transparent. I'm super clear about what my expectations are. And if you are, you know how you could walk around all day in an office and you could have, you know, spinach in your teeth or a booger in your nose or your fly down. And at the end of the day, you look in the mirror and you go, oh my God, I've been walking around all day like this. Why did no one tell me? Yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm going to tell you. So I guess that's the biggest thing that I can think of is to be a good leader, you've got to be clear. And I think oftentimes leaders are afraid to hurt people's feelings or tell them the truth, but you're really doing them a huge disservice and you're not really being a leader if you're not super clear. Yeah. Well, that was kind of getting to my next question, which is clear about what? And we're in in the sales discipline, we're pretty good about giving people feedback when they're not hitting numbers. We're a highly measured 
discipline, right? Or this uh, highly measured function. What else though? What else do we need to be clear with people? Everything, uh, everything that you expect. I always thought that if I go home and I'm having a conversation, I'm bitching and moaning to my wife about something, shame on me. Or if I'm talking to another colleague and I'm saying, man, Sally or Bobby are really doing this and that and it's driving me nuts or whatever, shame on me. I should be having those conversations with them. So it's it's that check. Am I really truly being totally transparent? Obviously, sales is so number driven that you're either hitting quota or you're not hitting quota. Although I abolished quotas in my last company, so there was not, everyone had their own goal and expectation that they set. But still with that, there was expectations. And I just think you owe it to everybody to be incredibly clear if you're seeing them do something good or bad. So this isn't always just, hey, let me catch you doing something wrong and tell you how to course correct. It's also telling people when they're doing a good job or exceeding your expectations. Yeah. I'm thinking about Matt, the employee, and I've been a leader that works for, been on other people's payroll and been a bag carrying salesperson for a long time too. I think about the best environments I worked in. I never had those surprise moments where I was like, oh, I didn't realize I wasn't meeting your expectations because that sucks. That's absolutely, it's like the worst feeling as a teammate to feel like you let somebody down and you don't even, you didn't even realize it. So, all right. So we talked a little bit about, you mentioned it and I've said it in so many words too, right? It's this unique discipline we've both grown up in, which is, you know, selling leading salespeople. What's the thing that you've enjoyed most about leading salespeople specifically? Because you've, you've led all sorts of people in different disciplines. Yeah. But salespeople in particular, what do you love most about leading them? I think it's seeing them win. It's seeing them accomplish things that they probably were unsure that they would be able to accomplish. Also the milestones, I think, when you know that you're a part of somebody, whether it's buying their first house, or I distinctly remember numerous people making $100,000 or making $200,000 for the first time or making President's Club. Those milestone events, sending their kid to the college that they want to, buying the shore home, all those things, and knowing that you played a small role in that, I think that's why sales is great. And maybe it's because like you, I'm a huge sports guy and I just see so many parallels. Those are like Super Bowl moments. And anytime you see somebody accomplish that, you know what that feeling's like. And it's pretty cool. You don't get that. I don't know if you're an accountant. Maybe you do. I, don't, I wouldn't know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. God, what a horrible job. No offense to those maybe who come from the accounting discipline, of course. Not that there's anything wrong with being an accountant. Anyway, okay. So yeah, I'm with you. So it's it's being a part of and knowing you played a role and helping them achieve important milestones. Yeah. More than just hitting the number. And pushing them to do things that they they didn't really think they could do. You know, I think everybody puts a cap on their potential to a degree. And it's saying, I think I believe in you and I know you can do more. And here's how we're going to get there together. And I'm going to help you. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Because then people see, okay, I did have a reservoir or I had something that I didn't really know I had. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's even more. And there's always more. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking with somebody right before this conversation about the uh, 
motivation dip that people go through when they go into a new environment and they're learning, right? Maybe they've sold something similar, but they're selling in a new environment and and they inevitably reach that point where it's like, I'm not learning fast enough. I'm not getting success. And it's the leader's job to help them work through that, right? Which I think is what you're, what you're driving at. They're going to have inevitable moments where it's like, I don't know if I can do this, Yeah. but helping people to kind of get from there to the next thing and realize they've got something in the tank for not just that, but the next thing after that is, is pretty cool. It's those moments of doubt. Even I, I had a rep, his name was Matt Charbonneau and he came in and just killed it. And I'm like, Matt, so in, in December going into January, he was like, man, I just hit a grand slam. I got to hit another grand slam. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you can actually do better. So I don't know if there's a, there's no five on run home run in baseball, but in Matt's case sure. every year, and this is a guy now he's still at the old company that I hired him for. And he's makes over a million dollars a year consistently because he started, you know, he had a belief like, okay, wow, 200 grand, then 300, then 400. And, and I mean, it's not all about the money, but that's a measurement a good measuring stick, especially in sales. And I think he's realized that he has unlimited potential and he keeps upping it and upping it up, upping it. Yeah. Matt's hitting for the cycle consistently now, right? He's kind of killing it all the time. Yep. Very cool. All right. So let's, the flip side of this, right? We were talking about the part that you love, but this is not easy. If everybody could lead salespeople, everybody would do it. And so what have you found to be the most challenging part of of leading salespeople? And then what have you done about it? I want to hear not only what's the hard part, but what what have you done? I think it's realizing that the key components to being successful are not table stakes. So what I mean by that is I think to be successful in sales, you need to have a great work ethic. You need to be disciplined and you need to have resiliency. And I know a lot of people think, oh, of course you need But of course, kind of means that, oh yeah, that's table stakes. Everybody has them. Well, if everybody had discipline, we wouldn't have obesity. We wouldn't have financial issues. We wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have. Those are really unique. So making sure that people have those is challenging because they don't jump out at you. People's background, their education, there's certain things that just, they're there. But really figuring out, does somebody have discipline? Does somebody have resiliency? Does somebody have a great work ethic? And that's it's disappointing when you think somebody has those things and they really don't. That it was really a product of their environment. You know, for instance, it's why I'm very, I was very, very cognizant of if somebody was successful at Salesforce or Microsoft or any place that I call it a brand halo, it's like, you got to be really careful. Were they successful because of themselves and they could be successful anywhere or were they successful because they carried that brand halo that helped them succeed. So, you know, I think it's it's disappointing when you find that people don't inherently have those things. But man, when you find people that have them, that's the trifecta. They're the ones that can be successful in a lot of different places, right? Maybe not everywhere, but that's I think that's kind of the, the point, right? Yeah, it's exceedingly rare. And I find now in my job, 
in the talent space that when I ask people, what are you looking for in a salesperson or in a leader? They never mention those. Never. Right. And I say, well, what about things like work ethic, discipline, resiliency? They go, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Get up. And I'm like, but how are you going to vet for those things? Like, you need to add, you need to figure out whether they have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah means you think most people do. It's actually a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people that actually have those attributes. Yeah. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. Now, I'm looking at that. So resiliency, discipline, work ethic. Of those three, I'll just pick one. Resiliency. That one feels like it has limits, right? Or... I may be to a certain degree resilient coming into a job, but this new environment's really going to test that or I'm going to have to be more resilient. Is resiliency some, something you can actually develop in someone else? Can you help them to become how? A hundred percent. Resiliency is like a muscle. So every time you go through adversity, you're building your muscle. It's just like going to the gym. So the more adversity you go through and you get through it, the stronger you are. So- my team would always say it didn't matter whether it was 2008, terrible economy. It didn't matter whether it was 9-11. It didn't matter whether it was COVID or you name it. I'm pretty calm through all that stuff. Why? Uh, I grew up in a very crazy way. I grew up poor in an affluent town. And then I've had just a tremendous amount of adversity, which has been great because it's helped me build incredible resiliency. So if we lose a big deal, I mourn that for literally probably seconds, maybe minutes at the most. Yeah. And I've seen salespeople that can't get over a loss in weeks or months. You cannot be successful in this game if you don't have that type of resiliency. It's the mm -hmm. same as sports. Sure. I mean, if you're thinking about the last play where you blew the coverage on the receiver, you're in big trouble. You better get over it pretty quickly yeah. because the next play is coming. And just like life, the next piece of adversity is coming and that resilience. So I think, yes, resiliency can be honed over time, just like a muscle. Yeah. What about discipline? I'm thinking of an example in my own experience where one of my hallmarks, I'm a disciplined sales process guy. Yep. And I know what behavior is you, know, you have to apply in certain situations just based on my training and experience and a lot of failure, resiliency and bouncing back. But I've been in an environment where the discipline sort of, it, it was the, the decline in motivation that led to the discipline sort of falling off a bit as a seller, as a rep. What do you do about that? Motivation waxes and wanes. You're not going to wake up every day motivated. You've got to be disciplined. So I don't worry about motivation. Motivation is temporary. Discipline is what you do when you've got no motivation. And it's, it's little things that you can build into your everyday life that build discipline, whether it's waking up at a certain time or I always talk to my team about just finishing the job, meaning don't leave things 
close, get them done. And the, that little, those micro pieces of discipline carry over. I'll give you some silly examples. How many people leave the cart, the shopping cart, close to the cart corral? I always think, man, those are undisciplined people. Put the freaking cart in the corral. You got that close. Or yeah. I'm walking down by the beach and I see people's dog poop bags <laughs> next to the trash can. I'm like, so right. you couldn't put it in the trash can. Yeah. Um, it's that last foot. It's just that last mile. I mean, I will even, like, I don't leave dishes in the sink. I wash them immediately. Why do I do that? I mean, I could let them pile up and just do them at the end of the day. It To me, it's just an exercise of discipline. And if I can do those things, like making your bed, Admiral McRaven gave that speech at the University of Texas, make your bed. And people think, okay, what's the big deal? Here's a, you know, a Navy SEAL telling you that the power of the discipline of making your bed in the morning can change everything. Yeah. It's unbelievably important because motivation, most of the time, we don't want to work out. We don't want to make that extra phone call. We don't want to do most of the things that we need to do to be successful. It's discipline that will get you there, not motivation. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. It's well put. For me, it's uh, unpacking the bag immediately, coming home from a trip. I can't have that thing. You and me both. Sitting there the, the next morning. Can't do it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about your your development, your growth over time. Who's had the most influence on you and your work as a as a leader? Easily my high school football coaches, but I'd say my head coach. I, I was very lucky. I played for two Hall of Fame football coaches, Larry Ciotti and Steve Philippone. Both are in the Hall of Fame. But Larry Ciotti was my head coach. Steve Philippone was my position coach. He later became the head coach and won, I think, seven state championships. And But Larry Ciotti taught me really what it was like to be a leader. Unwavering high expectations, a champion's mindset, never quit. It was like being coached by Vince Lombardi. You know, we were the first team in Connecticut history to be ranked in USA Today's top 25. We have the second most little shoreline, affluent shoreline town, second most state championships in the state history. It's just a phenomenal program because of Larry Ciotti and because of yeah. Steve Philippone and the discipline and the leadership that they brought. Larry just turned 80 and every year on his birthday, he bench presses 300 pounds. <laughs> he can bench press 300 pounds. Oh my God. 80, 80 years, years old. Years old. He's a beast. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. I'm still scared of him. <laughs> you know, whenever it is. Right. 35 years later, he still scares the hell out of me. Well, I can imagine, I don't know for sure, but I can infer from some of the things you said about motivation and discipline and bouncing back that these must have been messages in some form or another. These must have been messages you heard from coach, right? Nonstop, all day, every day. Yeah. 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 We're always working harder than any other team. So we yeah. played teams that had insane talent. But he would tell us, nobody's doing this. Nobody. And wait, in the fourth quarter, we're going to absolutely kick 
their ass because we were so much more disciplined. Yeah. And we were like the Packers. I mean, the program changed over the years. It became a passing attack. But back in the day, I mean, we ran like four or five plays, but we ran them like the Packers ran that famous sweet play. Yeah. And that discipline and that work ethic, it produced championships. I hated him while I was playing for him. But man, when you won that state championship, you loved him. Yeah. So for people listening today, it's a little bit of the, uh, I'll combine a few things I've heard you say. I'm not summarizing just yet because I've got one more question for you, Scott, but it's be clear with people about what's expected. They've got to bring the non-negotiables, the resiliency, the discipline, the work ethic. And at the end, when they succeed, when they achieve those milestones, important milestones in their life, they may be quite thankful at that point, right? Yeah. That they're going to realize that everything that you've said to them was about their success. And it sounds like your coach was, uh, that that's where that all comes from, right? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you one last question because the way these conversations go, we're sort of jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to ask you simply, what else, Scott? What else do people need to know about leading salespeople, about leadership in general that you haven't shared, but maybe popped into your brain as we're talking today? What else? I think one of the things that's helped me the most in my life that has helped me as a leader and helped me as a salesperson is despite a lot of things happening in my life that I wouldn't have wished for, I truly, truly believe adversity is a gift and you have to have a no victim mindset. It's very easy to be a victim. The reason why it's easy to be a victim is because you don't have to take any responsibility for anything. So when I interview people and I hear, well, I didn't hit my number, or I didn't do this because... We didn't get our funding or my manager or my leader. They're a victim. They're not taking personal responsibility. So you have to have a no victim mindset and you have to view adversity as a gift. Jocko Willing talks about this all the time. You know, he's a famous Navy SEAL. He's got a saying that it didn't matter what happened. And especially if something bad happened, his answer would be good because that adversity truly is a gift. It to go back to what we talked about earlier, it helps build your resiliency or it helps you to think creatively because you've got to figure out the answers. So I don't know. That's what popped into my head. I don't know that it really addressed your question directly, but it's uh, adversity is a gift and you have to have a no victim mindset. I think it did. The reason I asked what else what else is important, right? What else do people need to know? And if you put, for those listening, right, I'll do a quick summary here in a moment of some of the great things we heard from Scott today. But the point is, we all know adversity's coming. It just is, right? That's life is. We have long, hopefully very long runs of success and happiness and good health. But the reality is things go poorly and it's how we respond that matters. And winners have this mindset that you're describing, right? It's, I'm not a victim. I made a choice. I didn't do this or I didn't do that. I didn't succeed. I'm learning. I'm moving on. Let's go. So, you know, the beauty of this discipline being in sales and leading salespeople is I don't personally, I don't think we have any choice but to approach our work that way. I've had ups and downs. Yeah. You know it. I, you know, I've had great moments and not great moments, but it's like, what are we, what are we going to do next? going to bounce back. Let's learn from the mistakes we've made. I will never make a decision that looks like this. I'll never approach my work that way. Why? Because I've learned and I'm bouncing back now. Resilience. Yeah. Right. 
So, well, look, I wish we had more time, Scott, but here we are. We're at about the 25 or 26 minute mark and you've uh, you've dropped some gems on us. What I'm going to do next is for our listeners, I'm going to pull a couple of the ideas. And by the way, you've said some things that are remarkably similar to things I've heard from some of the other people we've interviewed about discipline and what you need to bring to the role, but also about leading too. So I'm going to summarize. Um, and on behalf of the listeners here, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's great to see you and hear you as always. I really appreciate it. Matt, I appreciate the opportunity. These are these are fun conversations, especially when it's with somebody that I have so much respect for and somebody that I consider a good friend. It's a lot of fun. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. No, thank you. All right. Well, we'll see you soon, Scott and everybody. I'll come back to you with my summary in a moment. Well, that was a great conversation. And I want to thank Scott McGregor once again for joining us on this episode. Scott said a bunch of things, but I'll kind of pull out and summarize just a few things that I think are really relevant for you, for the people listening to the show. Um, And in no particular order, some of the things that he shared really struck me. Some of the things that he said were common that we've heard from other leaders that have been on the show. He said, seeing people win, being part of their milestones is really one of the things that he loves most about leading teams. But at the start of the conversation, he said something simple clear is kind. What was he talking about? He was talking about clear expectations. I've actually spoken about this. There's an episode, there's chapters, there's conversations I've had, many of them over the years where I've said roughly the same thing, but Scott does a nice job of putting it really simply. Clear is kind. What does he mean? We really have to be crystal clear with our expectations if we want to be kind or we want to be viewed by our people as someone who cares enough about them to be clear. After all, if we're going to hold people accountable to meeting a standard or to doing their job in a certain way or to demonstrate certain behavior, we have to be clear with them what that behavior is in the first place. Otherwise, sort of cruel, isn't it, right? Criticizing people for doing things that they didn't know they were supposed to do or not supposed to do. So I like that very much. Clear is kind. You know, Scott also said something that resonated with me, having been there many times myself. He said, success requires resilience discipline, and a work ethic. But specifically, he said, when motivation is down, which happens to all of us, we're human. When motivation is down, discipline is what's required to get things done. And I think about those moments where I've bounced back or I've had to be resilient in the face of a down day or a setback. And it was, in fact, discipline in my experience that helped me kind of pull myself out of the doldrums. I wonder if you found that same thing to be true. If so, that should be ringing in your brain right now, right? Success requires resilience, discipline, and work ethic. You know, the willingness to work through the normal sort of challenges that we can expect on this job. He also said something else toward the end of the conversation, which I want you to be thinking about, which is that adversity is a gift. If this job were easy, everybody would do it. You're going to suffer adversity regularly. And Scott said, have a no victim mindset. Don't be in the mode of blaming others or blaming circumstances if things go badly. Look at adversity as a gift. He quoted Jocko Willink, where he says, good, right? Good in the face of something bad happening. I really want you to think about that one because, you know, maybe you've had a great week or maybe you haven't. I know that there are people listening to this show who are going through tough times. Maybe they're in a job and they're really struggling to succeed, or maybe they're looking for their next opportunity and they're finding it challenging. Remember, adversity is a gift and discipline is the thing that you need when motivation is down, when you still need to get things done. 
So I want to thank Scott McGregor once again for being an outstanding guest. I knew he would be. That's why I invited him to the show. In our next episode, we're going to be talking with another great leader, a great example that I want you to listen to and learn from. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Bye-bye for now.